Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community, and policymakers to hear their stories and views on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. This week on Factor Magri, I'm catching up with farmer Pat Crawshaw to discuss the Informing New Zealand Beef Programme. This programme will focus on breeding objectives and traits important to New Zealand farmers. It will also develop a New Zealand-based genetic evaluation for comparing bulls of different breeds, which will ultimately result in more efficient beef animals that aim to generate less greenhouse gases and to return higher profits. Pat joins me now. Hello, Pat. Thank you for your time today. Thank you very much, Gus. Thanks for having me. Please, can you tell me about your farm, where you are located, and what you farm? Uh, so, my wife, Isabel, and I are farming at Paratoga Hawks Bay, which is um, approximately 50 minutes west of Hastings. Mm. Um, and it's a hill country, so it's 185 hectare property. With um, We're farming 250 effective mm. in producing beef and lamb um, as our core enterprises. How has spring been going for you? Yeah, it's been, um, I was a little bit stutterish to begin with. Like we, um, we sort of had a bit of a false start through, through sort of August, and um, early September, and then we had plenty of moisture going around. So, um, yeah, it's been, been a wet one, which has been a little bit, um, out of the ordinary in terms of what we've dealt with in previous seasons. But, mm. um, yes, grateful for the moisture and the crops and, and grass and things like that, uh, are underway now. And, um, yeah, we should have good canopy cover um, prior to Christmas and, um, yeah, in a good position to, to head into summer, that's for sure. Yeah, that's good to hear. Now, I understand you are part of the Informing New Zealand Beef Program. Now, this is a future-focused seven-year program designed to generate more income for beef producers and, and indeed the economy while protecting the environment as well. How did you get involved with this program? Yeah, I mean, um, so I just came across it. Um, I think it might have been mentioned in a, in a beef and lamb genetics um, newsletter um, email list. And um, yeah, I understood that it was a pilot program at that point in time. So I sort of just mm. reached out to to them and um, yeah, expressed my interest and, and enthusiasm for the beef industry and, um, mm. and yeah, willing to be involved and in, in be able to, I guess, um, assist in what this program takes shape to, to sort of um, capture and what we could do do off the back of it um, from a commercial farmer standpoint. Um, I guess a little bit of background, I grew up on my family's Kenaranga stud and um, mm-hmm. have been immersed in the seed stock industry um, right from that age, um, mm. early age. And so, yeah, any opportunity to help enhance beef as a um, as an enterprise mix in the New Zealand sheep and beef industry, I think, is um, is something that I was quite passionate about and willing to get on board with. Mm. So, what are the areas of focus for the program? I would imagine genetics are playing a big part in this program. Can you tell me what the objectives are in terms of the genetic component, and what are the targeted outcomes? Yeah, um, I mean, so beef and lamb. Um, Beef and Lamb Genetics have got a program in terms of what their funding was approved for, I guess. And so um, some of the key ones, and I think which is really um, a real opportunity for the New Zealand sheep and beef industry is Mm. um, a crossbreed analysis. And so the fact that we can compare an Angus bull with a Charolais bull um, on a standardised set of 
of traits would um, would hugely benefit the industry to be able to cherry pick ultimately um, mm. the best of both breeds and, and be able to blend them together. Um, also, they're going to um, host a database, and so it'll be the, the equivalent of SIL and a New Zealand database, um, mm. and yeah, be able to drive drive some really good in- outcomes out of that in terms of creating a, a strong population that's relevant to the New Zealand conditions and um, and being able to yeah, stack them on the genetic merits across that. Um, I believe it's under the Improve, which is part of that, um, yeah, which um, the sheep breeders will, will be getting familiar with at the moment. Mm-hmm. So data is obviously playing a significant role. How is technology being applied through the program? Yeah, um, so like I, like I mentioned, I think um, improve will be a really really key key piece to it, and that's um, basically a data capture yeah data okay, capture yeah. platform, and so where we can record um, different traits across animals, um, and then also just on farm measurements uh, measurements. So I mean we um, we do take undertake a lot of management practices on farm, and there's mm. There's an opportunity to be capturing that data and using individual animal identification, um, RFIDs, and, and then eight tags to be able to allocate that accurately back to animals. Um, and similarly, using that linkage with the physical animal and, and its tag, and also it's um, taking genomics and building us in, in as complete, complete and strong picture as we can to, like it sort of suggests, make a more informed decision. Mm. Ultimately, are we looking for a beef animal that produces less greenhouse gases with improved carcass weights? Is that essentially what we're looking at? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of efficiencies to be made um, made in the industry, and like some of the low hanging fruit would also be maternal efficiency and in, in, mm-hmm. in fertility rates. Um, but yeah, without a doubt, like um, the pressures that we're sort of under as an industry is is certainly leading towards greater efficiency. Um, and I mean, we see that in the sheep industry where they've reduced the ewe flock, but being able to produce a similar volume of, of mm. um, sheep meat. Um, mm. And I think that crossbreed analysis and, and the ability to compare animals across breeds in using crossbreed um, size as they have with a suffix type animal mm. um, as a terminal size, I think that's been a real win there. And some of those learnings we should be able to take out of out of the sheep industry and pull them across to the beef um, beef and be able to do that because it is that efficiency that we that we really want but also that efficiency is profitable right like yeah um, it gives us gives us strength of um, strength of system and, and more resilience when we've got those efficiencies working it to the optimum mm. what about feed types is this part of the program to help achieve some of these goals and improve efficiencies no not as such um yeah, I guess like um, so. The idea with how it's how it's established is like any commercial, well, commercial farmers can put their hand up to be a part of it, mm. and they will ultimately run their system as they would in any in any other year without okay. this program. But yep. partnering with the program then just gives a gives a place for that information to be captured and then um, analysed ultimately and be sure. able to feed back into the into a seed stocks producers decision making yeah um 
Yeah, so, I mean, if, if they're going to be using specific forages on their farm as they normally would or, or would be experimenting with as such, um, then, yeah, that's completely part of it. And there might be an opportunity to report that back, um, depending on how that influences their um, growth rates or, um, yeah, terminal worth or their mm. hanging ability, mm. um, yeah, value at the work sort of thing. So, mm. yeah, I guess the, the door's always open, but um, it's not it's more focused towards the individual genetic and, and animal traits that are relevant. Mm. And you've touched on improving efficiencies. And of course, yeah, this will feed into the great effort by farmers and industry to improve New Zealand's farming efficiency, which I might add, in my view, we are already the most efficient farmers in the world. But do you think there is an opportunity to improve farm gate returns as well, and particularly see an increase in the value of our products internationally as we tell tell our story in international markets and as consumers start to demand more on the sustainability front? Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, um, it's sort of, it's it's around us a lot in the media at the moment in terms of that, that storytelling and, and the potential upside in it. And um, without a doubt, there's already starting to be some market returns coming through mm. um, for regenerative labelling or zero carbon labelling um, mm. or carbon neutral, I should say, labelling and things mm. like that. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's certainly going to go hand in hand. And um, if we can... We can't control those prices outside of our farm gate as farmers, but we can control what we do within our farm gate. And yep. if if, it, um, if one of our tools is to have a more efficient beef production system, then mm. it's within our best interest to pursue that. And um, those marketing stories, we're working alongside the, the suppliers or the meat companies that we're supplying in their marketing arms is, um, is something that we've got to have great transparency to and, and willingness to... Um, to adapt because um, mm. yeah, ultimately what we're doing is for a consumer and, um, and yeah, the, the word is the gospel in, in many situations. So we've got to be quite a, quite aware of that. Of course, all these things and all these programs and improving sustainability and creating more efficient farming systems increases farm input costs, doesn't it? So the farmer needs a, a greater return and needs, in my view, quite a shift in farm gate returns in order to, to keep pace, don't you think? Yeah, I mean it's it's um, it's certainly feeling. Well, we're seeing that in the marketplace at the moment um, with our costs of operations have gone up. Um, I think the latest reports were suggesting sort of seventeen percent over the last mm. twelve months. Um, mm. And so, like those 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 inputs are are things that we yeah are quite embedded in the system and, and can't easily shave shave down. Mm. Um, we've had a few good years of high commodity prices, which has probably created a little bit more frivolous type spending in the system um, where we didn't have to be as careful. Um, but now those commodity prices are under some significant pressure and we're seeing lamb dropping dropping year nearly a dollar fifty mm. over a short amount of time with still more more downside to come. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's really squeezing what you're pulling the the gross income down, but also mm. those um, expenses are pushing up. And so the margin that we're operating in is is narrowing and so yeah without a doubt we need to start putting some programs in place that are going to capture a bit more of that top top side be able to grow our income portion to to outrun the the growth in our expenses portion mm. as a farmer how are you feeling and of course your 
friends and contemporaries around the traps. How are you feeling about the current state of play of farming in this country? And in particular, constant policy pressure, which seems to be endless at the moment. Yeah, it is It is quite extraordinary. Like, I mean, um, so we when we purchased our farm in 2018, it was under a very different lens or perspective of farming um, in terms of the freedom to operate and, and without... Um, without having um, rule changes imposing on us. Um, best practice was still obviously best practice and, and wouldn't be touched by these policies anyway, but mm. um, it's a very different climate that we're operating in now. Um, and so like those those changes have been quite significant and, and impacted other businesses or businesses in, in different ways on an individual basis because of... Um, yeah, what the system is at a reflective old. But um, it is quite significant in terms mm. of we've had such rapid change in the policy space in, in trying to adopt those onto farm, um, which in many situations, like we, we can stomach those changes, but um, mm. the, the rate of change is quite significant that we um, that struggle to embed the changes from, say, a freshwater policy statement mm. to embed those changes in a farming system and then um, be able to fine-tune them because there is greater opportunity to be found after adopting those practices mm. to, to create some better efficiencies and, and more beneficial environmental outcomes in many situations once we've gotten underway with it. And so a period of time to embed them would be really beneficial um, without then being distracted with another policy, um, if that makes sense. Like yeah, the, yeah. the policy layers is is becoming quite a challenge because we don't have enough time to really address and reflect and, and make good outcomes of, of the first policy change, let alone the, the second and the third on top. Sort mm, of thing. Um, mm. So it is a really, really... Um, big challenge and it, and it puts a lot of pressure on, on farming businesses and, and, the, and the owners of them as, as responsible parties to to adapt to it but um, hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel and um, without a doubt I'm very um, buoyant about the future of agriculture just in terms of um, how we're positioned in the marketplace but also the, the demand for for our products it's um, yeah it, it's not going away so we've just got to mm. we've got to obviously roll with these changes and um, and get get some really um, key fine-tuning and, and management decisions out of the back of it that can um, further enhance what their intended purpose was for and also be able to enhance the resilience of our businesses as well. Mm, I think you're right. I think the future is bright for, for New Zealand farmers, but I think the policy change needs to be slowed up and there needs to be greater input from industry and the farming community in order to certainly be a part of the policy change. But it's the rate of which the change is coming, which you know gets my hackles up. As you say, there's no time to have one policy change embedded before the next one comes along. It's too much, too soon, too fast. But so what about the family farm? How does that look in 50 years' time? Are we still going to see a traditional family farm model or are we going to move to more of a corporate farming model or, or system do you think yeah it's a, it's an interesting question and i think um it's certainly got its challenges it, um ultimately the the value of land is what's um permissive to it to um stay or well, to family farms being 
a career path. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the the amount of outlay or capital needed to to get yourself onto the land ladder is is huge, and mm-hmm. it's um, it's not something that's easily come by. But mm-hmm. ultimately, how it is working at the moment is playing on human emotion. Um, that's the only way that it's it's possible at the moment, mm-hmm. um, where a landowner is willing to transact that land um, in a arrangement that is successful for a, another small business to take it over. Um, mm. But yeah, that, that obviously sometimes it might require stomaching a, um, a lower price, but um, other times it, it might be just on a lease to buy arrangement or an equity share arrangement. Mm. So there, there's different pathways to it, but yeah, I think, um, I think the romance of, of the small family farm is, is very pronounced and um, probably more so, further afield to New Zealand, mm. like um, globally, the, the small family farm is something that um, the general public look look very fondly on. Um, and so I think there's always going to be a place for it. It's just to what to what scale in the New Zealand setting. And it is under pressure just given the, the value of assets, um, mm. the land assets. So uh, whether it's going to be more corporate or, or not in the future, I think there will be more more corporate businesses, but I'd, I'd like to think there's still going to be a significant portion of the, the family owned um, business in amongst them as well. Mm. Hey, look, um, I've really enjoyed chatting to you today. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. Thank you very much for having me, mate. I'm looking forward to following this program. It is a JV with industry and the government. Programs like this will make a significant impact on improving efficiencies on farm and importantly, improve farmer returns at the gate. Pat is right. Slow the rate of policy change down. Policymakers need to allow time for a policy change to be embedded before thrusting another down the throat of farmers. And better still, if we have a government hell-bent on continually throwing policy punches, they should ensure policy is driven by science, not ideology or political agenda. That's all for me this week. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time.